I am your strength. I am your shield. I am your portion. I am your deliverer. I am your life. I am your everything. Too many of my children seek for consolation to come from the world. They seek affirmation to come from the world, from their peers. They seek assurance from the world. But I can give you all of this. I am God. I can give you all of this. You must learn to trust me and yield to me. I will not lead you into a place of legalistic religion. What I want with you is relationship in love. You must trust me and believe that I do know the beginning from the end and I do know what is best. This is why I said in my word that you're not to lean to your own understanding, but to trust me. Trust me in everything. I will provide for you whatever you need. I do not work according to the world's standards. I work according to my word's standards. So I say unto you, trust me. Trust me that the time you spend with me is time well spent because it helps you learn to hear me, how to obey me, and to know my will. So trust me, press into me, and your life will change for the better, says the Lord. Yesterday, Kathy and I had a wonderful opportunity to spend some time with brother and sister Lego. And one of the things that we discussed had to do with church services we've been in where God was really moving and the power of God was moving on people and folks were falling out under the power or what's referred to as slain in the spirit. Talked about, yeah, I was in this service one time. Well, I was in this service and I saw this one. And, and this is what is so just amazing. This morning... I get up, and somebody who lives nearly 7,000 miles away from here that I've never met, that person sent me a teaching that states, slain in the Spirit is not of God, and there's no scripture for it. And I'm thinking, the odds of that are like one in a, Gabillion. That is just Satan trying to come again. I, it's shocking. I mean, shocking, but not shocking. It's like, you got to be kidding me. We were just talking about this last night and, and the experiences that we've had with God. And I get this. This morning, there it is. And there's no way that person could have known what we were talking about 7,000 miles away. You know, it's the middle of the night for them when we were talking about this. So there's no way 
that this is a coincidence, that preacher not being used of God, at least as far as that's concerned. And so in my resp- normally I don't respond to things like that, but I thought, no, no, I'm not going to let this one slide. So I responded back and I said, you know, you've left a lot of scriptures out. He was using some verses to try and prove it's not. And I said, you've left some you know, verses out. And if you would like scriptural evidence of the power of God moving on people and so forth, then here's a link to a sermon. Because several years, years ago, I preached a sermon entitled, What is Slain in the Spirit? So it's like, okay, you want this? And here, go listen to it. So I don't know if the person's going to listen to it or not, but I, one thing I can guarantee you is this. I will not get into a, bait, a debate. If that person comes back, I'm just going to say, I sent you a link. You either want to listen or you don't. That's it. That's it. I don't even know that we're Facebook friends. Just, <laughs> you would not believe... How many people contact me, send me messages from all these other countries. Some of them, they want to be my friend. Some of them, there ain't no way they're going to be my friend. Um, It's just the way it is. So anyway, praise God, I just found that so interesting that right after we were talking about it, just a few hours later, (laughs) I get this teaching. Like, I'm going to believe it. Like, I'm going to, to accept, oh, wow, God, I must be really wrong. No, no. Anywho, I want to read something to you from Psalm 127. You can turn there if you'd like. I'm not going to read a whole lot of it. Psalm 127. And we're just going to touch on part of the first verse. It says, verse 1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house. One of the things that I have learned over the years is that Christians are experts in defending anything and everything they do by saying, well, God told me. God led me. And some of uh, what happens, there's no way it's God. But hey, you know, who are you to tell me that I can't hear God? Well, what you heard did not come from God, because that's not scriptural. Nevertheless, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Here not too long ago, I did put a post on Facebook. There's a link to an article. Some of you may have seen it, but I'm going to read a portion of that to you. Because it has to do with what's going on in the body of Christ right now. Now, this article came out on June 13th of this year. It was in Church Production Magazine, which is an online magazine. And the title of it is, A Call to Rethink Dying Houses of Worship. A staggering number of U.S. churches are closing down, and this is a fact that can affect the success or failure of many downtowns and neighborhoods over the coming decades. One answer, bring in the skills and expertise of urban designers. Many of America's houses of worship with congregations too small to maintain their own properties, now stop right there, that does not mean the church building itself is small. It means the sanctuary 
Maybe it would seat 5,000, but the church is down to 200. Well, they can't sustain it anymore. So many of America's houses of worship, with congregations too small to maintain their own properties, are calling it quits. Some sell their properties to the highest bidder. Other properties in less affluent areas sit vacant for years. Still, others lease surplus property to other entities. A few partner with developers to reconceptualize facilities and land while maintaining a smaller house of worship on site. In other words, here you have a um, you know a fairly large church, and the church may you know it, it's fitting this description. So what the church does, the congregation, they have their services now in the fellowship hall and they let the sanctuary be used for something else, for another reason. Because if you, if you have a sanctuary that will seat 2,000 people and you've only got 50, that doesn't work. Let me give you a little bit of background. Um, there is, and I don't know the technical terms for this, but there is a psychological phenomenon that takes place within the minds of individuals when those people are unified in a purpose, which would be people coming together to worship God, but their numbers are dwarfed by the size of the room. Because they begin to feel, I guess, alienated. I, I just don't understand all the terms. They begin to feel isolated, alienated, alone, with no, um, no connection to the rest of the congregation. And so that's why in some churches where they don't have pews, they have chairs. When the congregation starts diminishing, they start removing chairs. And the chairs that remain, they, they make sure they're closer together so the people still have a feel for a congregation, a family. You understand what I'm saying? All right, now... A few partner with developers to reconceptualize facilities and land while maintaining a smaller house of worship on site. Pre-pandemic estimates were that 75 to 100 houses of worship were closing per week or up to 7,500 churches closing per year. America now may be looking at the closing of as many as 100,000 houses of worship over the next few years. It's massive. Now, when I read this, I thought, well, hey, <laughs> we knew that. Because we had a prophecy several years ago where God said churches are going to be closing. And so they didn't start closing the year before the pandemic. I mean, this is... it's slowly been increasing, but it's been happening, and, and it's going to continue to increase. One of the things that I do, you know, I've shared with you over and over again, we need a new facility. Believe in God for a new facility. You know, and, and it would really help if you were in agreement with me on this, but we need a, a new facility. may touch on some of that here in a little bit, but one of the things that I do, I'll go online, and I'll look, churches for sale. Here within... Uh, uh, Beaver Creek, Kettering, Centerville, Bellbrook, you know, just this region. And there are some churches that have been for sale for a long time. A long time. And they are in what you might call less affluent areas. And then um, 
I also, I don't just look at churches, I look at other buildings, like industrial buildings that could be repurposed. And some of them, yeah, they look pretty good, except it's this, or it's that, or it's something else. Um, some of you may not know this, but not too far from here, over on Woodman, there is a, a Kmart was torn down, and Kroger is building a superstore, a massive Kroger store where the Kmart used to be. Well, in the process, Kroger is closing two Krogers after this new one gets built. Well, the one Kroger that's being closed is on Smithville. There ain't no way. <laughs> uh-uh, no way. The other one is over on Burkhart, and it's part of a very small shopping center. I think there's like four, maybe five storefronts in addition to the Kroger. You talk about Prime. I mean, yeah, wow. But here's the problem. In a grocery store, if you've noticed, they have those support posts to hold up the, the roof. And, you know, if you clear out all the shelves, yeah, you've got a lot of space, but you've got these posts all over the place supporting. It's like, no, that's not going to work. I don't want people in the service doing this. You know, trying to... <laughs> so, yeah, I look. I look. I mean, every, I don't know, two, three weeks, whatever, I'm on the Internet just doing a brief search. You know, what else has come up? And some people might say, well, yeah, but, you know, Brother Martin, I mean, my goodness, some of these buildings, they cost... I'm not worried about the money. I'm not talking about borrowing money. Money... Listen, if, if your decisions relative to what you do for God is based on money, you're missing God. Totally missing God. No, your decisions have to be on everything else but, because God can provide the money. You know, I've shared before how I read in the newspaper where this organization and this charity and this group, you know, anonymous donor, $5 million. and what? It's like, okay, well, if that can happen for them, it can happen for us. Easily. So I'm not worried about the money. I want to see the facility. So I check all these different facilities. It's like, okay, what would it take? Could we move in and use it like right away? Or how much work would it take to get it to the point that we could use it and then do extra work while we're using it? Blah, blah, blah. That's what I do. Well, in this article where it's talking about, you know, these tens of thousands of churches that are closing, you know, that means that there are churches. Buildings are going to be open. That's pretty simple. And ideally, what we would have is a building that is uh, the, the sum total of everything within that building, much larger than what we have right now. You know, a whole lot more classrooms, restrooms, bigger fellowship hall, on and on, offices, and this, that, and the other. Um, but if it were a church, that would be really ideal. Because then that's pretty much move in and just keep on going. You don't have to do a whole lot of anything to it. In fact, one came up here not too long uh, too long ago. Um, it's up for sale right now, and I've been eyeballing this property for a long time, but thank God for pictures. <laughs> because once I started looking at the pictures, it's like, nah, don't think so. Even though on the outside it's like, oh, wow, this is incredible. But everything, everything else, it's like, no, it's just not going to work out. In fact, as I was praying, um, it really seemed like the Lord was saying, don't even pray about this one. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> I still won't look at the pictures, but okay. <laughs> Which is fine. But in this particular article, it went on to address um, 
the whole concept of repurposing church property for other uses. Now listen to what the article said. Um, all these churches are closing, so on and so forth. One answer, bring in the skills and expertise of urban designers. Now what that means is you contact somebody who, what, uh, an urban designer, one of the things that an urban designer would do is help a city develop or plot out a new section of the city for development. In other words, okay, here's what you can do with this, and you can do the buildings this way, and the streets that way, and so on and so forth. There's a company not too far from here that does that. Out here on, um, on uh, Research Boulevard, Woolpert. Have you, have you seen Woolpert? Okay, that's kind of what they do. I, I think they help worldwide. They, it's really amazing. I was in there one time and I asked them, what exactly do you guys do? They said, well, and they tried to explain it, and I acted like I understood. <laughs> but an urban designer is somebody that comes in and says, okay, you have to completely change this, that, and the other. And, and I'm reading this and I'm thinking, okay, that sounds good. But, but I don't remember seeing anything in here about pray and seek God about what you do with your facility. So, you know what? God is the ultimate urban designer. I mean, he kind of knows what you should and shouldn't do. But it is a world approach to dealing with this. Yeah, churches are closing. They're going to continue to close. That's just the way it is. And there are a lot of them that they absolutely should close. You know, like the church down in Naples, Florida. I'm sure... When Kathy and I have been down there ministering in Immokalee and we've gone to Naples you know, for a, a restaurant or something like that, I have no doubt that we have driven by this church. It is, uh, it's a church where they had drag queens come in for a youth, a community youth event to, to help teens better understand about this stuff. It's like you talk about Ichabod. You talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. Man, oh man. And yet, I have yet to see a dumpy church in Naples, Florida. Naples, per capita, is one of the wealthiest cities in the entire nation. When, if you go to Naples and you just drive around, you are going to see Rolls Royces and Bentleys and Maseratis and Ferraris. and all. I mean, just driving around. It's like, oh my goodness. And so, yeah, that church building, it needs to be reoccupied <laughs> by people who are going to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're not talking about tearing down the buildings. Let's, let's use them for the glory of God. But there was another article. And in this particular article, I'm reading it, and I'm looking at pictures that they had of churches. And the article was talking about upcoming trends in church design. And the goal was to design property and facilities that will draw people to attend. And in this article, it was talking about, well, the way some of the things have been done over the last, you know, I don't know what, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago, go, oh, there's a shift in this, and now it needs to be some of some of. And there were some pictures of what they were talking about. I thought about copying those pictures and putting them in PowerPoint and then flashing them up here on the screen. 
But then I thought, no, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to be an offense to the people in that church. Because there may come a day to where God would want me to some way, or us, some way, somehow, to touch the lives of the people in that church. So I said, no, I'm not going to put the pictures up. But I'm looking at these pictures. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, what? well, the purpose, to draw people in. And other, once again, it is a world approach to draw people into the church. We want our church to look modern, up-to-date, the latest whatever, so that when people drive by and look at it, they see it and they think, oh, wow, I think I'll go to that church because it looks so good. Some people, yeah, that is going to work for them. And it will draw them in. But what are you going to do for them once they get in? It just, and the cost of doing some of these things. I, I don't know. I think maybe, I know for a fact, I tend to be more practical than a lot of people. And I, and I don't mind. I like that. Because my way will be less expensive. <laughs> I thought you said we weren't supposed to worry about money. Now, we're not supposed to worry about it, but we are supposed to be wise. What did Jesus say about counting the cost before you build the tower? Okay. So, I'm geared more to practical than I am too flashy. But I do want things to look nice. Well, you can make things look nice without, you know, being opulent or, or copying the world. Have, have you ever seen pictures of cities and some of the architecture for some of these buildings? Some of these architectural designs, I think, how is the building standing? I mean, how did you do that? It's like it's leaning, but it's not leaning. How is it? And the architects, you know, they want to get awards and so forth for the design. But it costs a whole lot of money to do that. Okay, no. No, we need to be practical. The more practical you are, the less it's going to cost, and the faster it will get built. Meaning, the sooner you can use it for your purpose. That's my approach. And uh, you say, well, Brother Martin, I agree with you. Well, you should. Praise God. Anyway... (laughs) Now, thinking about all this, and what we just read here, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. When you go back and read in Genesis chapter 6, God gave Noah instructions on how to build the ark. And I mean, there's a lot of detail in Scripture, but there's a lot of detail that's left out. But God told Noah, here's how I want you to build the ark, and here's the size. And you go over to Exodus... And God gave Moses details on how to build the tabernacle. Its size, the material, uh, what to do with this, what to do with that, so on and so forth. Now what's interesting is the fact that Noah and Moses did not build the ark or the tabernacle to appeal to the masses. Even though I'm sure the... uh, The ark, no doubt, had an appeal to the curiosity of the individual. And I'm sure that the the tabernacle, there was a lot of beauty. I mean, you read in Scripture, there was obviously a lot of beauty with that. But here's the thing. Noah and Moses, they didn't build the ark or the tabernacle to appeal to the masses. They built it the way God said, do it. 
And that's so very important. And there might have been times when God was telling uh, Moses, well, I want you to use this metal for that, and I want you to build this thing that way, and use this material, and, and this color for that, and that color. And, and I'm, there may have been times when Moses was thinking, well, okay, I'm not really sure I understand why it has to be that color, but that's what you want. I mean, I think I'd go with that color over there. But he did what God said. And it wasn't to try to draw people in. It was, whether you like the way it looks or not, that doesn't matter. God said, do it this way, so this is what we're doing. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain to build it. And God isn't going to build it. What it means is, except the Lord build the house, what it means is, you rely on God for what He wants done, and then you do it His way. So, God telling me, don't even pray about this one. Okay, I won't. I won't. Even though I had before I really heard that. <laughs> it's like, oh God, if this is the one, oh God. And that, don't even pray. Okay, I won't pray. So then, you know, that brings up what we're doing. I want you to know that God is involved with our next facility. And you might ask, okay, well, where is it? I don't know. I don't know yet. But God is involved. You see, God is involved with every aspect of what we do, and he's been involved since before creation. And so therefore, God is involved in our next facility. And what can be frustrating, if I let it, is it would be something like, you know, all right, just be patient. It's coming. Just, it's like, okay, how much longer do I have to be patient? Just a little longer. How soon is it coming? Well, it's coming. I mean, something like that, you know, you start to think, okay, when? But nevertheless, God is involved with our next facility. But what are we pursuing? As a congregation, what are we pursuing? What are we after? You know, you've been here, you've seen in the past, those of you that have been here when I've done this, I do the PowerPoint presentation about, in and all, but what are we really pursuing? What are we after here? Well, look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, because there is a, a pattern or a, a path, a process. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And there are a lot of verses that we could use here tonight for all of this, but we're just going to uh, use a few that pretty well exemplify what we're after. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Okay, this right here is number one. Number one. Revival is not number one. The signs, wonders, and miracles, that's not number one. Number one is us changing into or maturing into the image of Christ. That is number one. And if we're pursuing anything else, including a new facility, if we're pursuing anything else more than this verse, all right, then our priorities are skewed. They're out of order. So this right here is number one. This is why... The emphasis on prayer and fasting and worship in the Word, because these are the the, uh, the four pillars of spiritual growth.
spiritual maturity. And out of those, we start learning how to co-labor with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit. We start learning how to be patient and wait on God. We mature to that place of understanding these things. And so, our focus, number one, is conforming to the image of Christ. You know, changed into that same image from glory to glory. That is number one. So, as we continue with all of the prayer, the fasting, the worship, and the word, we're not wasting time in this. We're not wasting... When you, when you do this at home, you're not wasting one minute. It's impossible to waste one minute of praying in the Spirit, of worship, of getting into the Word. Now, obviously, we should be doing it more than just one minute. But, it's not wasted time at all. Even though we can have those times of feeling like, man... I don't know if I'm making any progress or not. I don't know if I... I just don't know. Well, it's kind of like if you've ever done a whole lot of weightlifting, what happens is you hit a plateau. And let's just say that, you know, you can bench... You're bench pressing 200 pounds. And, you know, day after day, you know, week after week, 200, 200, you know, when am I going to get past this? When and you start getting kind of frustrated. It's like, hey, I'm not doing it. I'm not making any progress. Then all of a sudden, you go in the next week... And it's like, wow, 200. This is, this is light. I'm going to add another 10. I'm going to add another 15 pounds, whatever. And you can do it. You couldn't do it before, but all of a sudden you can. You had that breakthrough. And you don't understand how it happened. All you know is you kept going to the gym. You kept lifting what you could. And all of a sudden, you made progress. Okay, it's the same thing spiritually. We continue with the prayer, the fasting, the worship, and the word. And we can feel like we're not making any progress, that nothing is happening. But God has said in his word, if you do these things, something is happening to you on a spiritual level. You are growing. You are mortifying the flesh. You are developing into this image of the glory of Christ. So that right there, that is number one. Number two, turn over to Acts. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. i give you a moment to, to uh, get over there. And again, this is just, uh, these are just verses to illustrate what we're after. So Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall see visions, or your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and all my servants and all my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. All right, what, what does this summarize? An outpouring of the spirit. This, this is describing what happens as we're pressing into that place of conforming to the image of the glory. This is the next thing that we see taking place. This outpouring of his spirit because now we've matured to the place to where he's able to move more freely through us. And we begin to see this outpouring, which is what we want. Then after that, what happens? What do we want to see? Turn over to John. John chapter 14. And in John chapter 14, verse 12. Verily, verily, I say unto you. This is Jesus now. He says, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. So we press into the, to conforming to the image of the glory of Christ. 
Then we begin to experience this outpouring of His Spirit upon us. And as a result of that outpouring, we then begin to see the works of Jesus taking place as we lay hands on the sick, as we minister to people. The signs, the wonders, the miracles, the healings, the deliverance, all of these things begin to take place. Well then, after that, what happens? Turn over to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And in Luke chapter 13, uh, one verse, verse 29, Jesus says, And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. What is that? Revival. That is revival. So we keep pressing in, pressing in, conforming to the image of the glory of Christ, mortifying the flesh. And then we begin to have this outpouring. Outpouring individually. Outpouring corporately within our church. And we begin to see the, the demonstration, the works of Christ begin to take place. And then we begin to see these people coming in. We begin to see this revival take place. It's not, you know, well, how many people? I don't know. It's whatever happens. But we're ready for it, spiritually. We're just ministering, and, and the people come in. Hey, listen. You know how um, Jesus said, pray uh, that you know, the laborers be sent forth into the harvest? Have you ever considered the fact that we are the laborers? That's us. All of this, uh, the, the signs, the wonders, and the miracles... That's not supposed, it's not supposed to be focused on happening in here, in the church. It's supposed to be happening out there. Remember Peter and John? Silver and gold have I none, such as I have, give I thee. And man, the guy gets healed. You know, it's, it's kind of sad the way so many in the body of Christ, when they talk about the demonstration of power and so forth, in their minds it's almost like they're thinking in the church. In the church. But with Jesus, it was in the church and everywhere else. <laughs> Wherever he went, the possibility was there. And that's the way it's supposed to be for us. Well, then after we see the north, south, they're coming in north, south, east, and west, then what? Well, look over in Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28. And what we see, just go all the way toward the... Uh, to the end of the chapter, Matthew 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now look at this. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What is that? Discipleship. It's discipling the people. It's um, Paul, When Paul was writing to the Corinthians, he said, I'm sending Timothy to you because he will teach you everything that I teach in every church where I go. It's discipling. Paul told Timothy, the things that I've taught you, you teach others so that they can turn around and then teach others as well. It's the discipling. So we press into God, press into God, prayer, fasting, worship in the Word. And we, we start becoming that reflection of the glory of Christ mortifying the flesh, transformed into that image. And we begin to experience this outpouring, an outpouring of God's Spirit in us, individually and corporately. Then we begin to see you know, the, the works of Christ being done. And after that, we begin to see the, the revival. The people are brought in. And then we disciple them. 
We take them into the Word. We teach them line upon line, precept upon precept, so that they can carry on and continue to do this. Now, when John chapter 14 starts happening, John 14, 12, the works that I do, when that starts happening, people of any age group, it won't matter what age group, people of any age group, they're not going to care about aesthetics. It's not going to, it, that is not going to be a priority to them. When it comes to a, um, attending church, you know, when, when, they, when they know, when they hear that their friends, family members, whatever, when they hear that co-workers, that healing is, and miracles are taking place in a particular church, that things are happening, you know what? They're going to know, they're going to want to know, how do I get to that church? You know, because my kid is dealing with, or my wife, or I'm battling, or my mom is battling, or something. They're going to want to know. Because they want that healing. They want that deliverance. They want answers. They, they're, they're tired of living the stinky life they've been living. They want some peace. And so when these testimonies start spreading, people are going to, tell me about what churches that you were at. Because when you see somebody walk into where you work, and... <laughs> Yesterday, when they came, came in, their arm was in a sling, and they were barely able to walk because they had been in a car wreck. And then today they come walking in, hopping, skipping, jumping, raising their arms like, okay, what happened to you? Because you were in the hospital a couple of days ago, and I saw how you walked in here. What happened to you? Well, I've been down to this church service, man. These people, I'm telling you. And that person, <laughs> you know, not everybody is going to show up after hearing those stories, but people will. It's just what happened with Jesus. Same thing. And so when, when it comes to attending a church, and people that come in as a result of, of what's happening, you know, the, about what God is doing in our midst, when it comes to attending a church, these folks, they're not going to prioritize uh, you know, spotlights, flashing lights, colored lights, mirrored balls, Fog machines, video-enhanced worship, video-choreographed sermons, full-blown multi-instrument, multi-voice praise teams, church entries that look more like shopping malls or airport concourses. They're not going to care about, care about uh, fellowship areas that are designed to look like upscale coffee houses or concerts that are being put on by megachurch praise teams. They're not going to care about any of that. It's not going to matter to them. Because they finally found a place where God is moving. They, found, they finally found a place that doesn't need a fog machine to replicate the glory of God. Flashing lights. They don't need that. In fact, when they begin to experience the genuine, they're going to realize they had been experiencing the counterfeit. And those folks, as far as they're concerned... <laughs> You could have one person up on the platform playing the keyboard or, or, or playing an acoustic guitar, leading in praise and worship. But when that person who's, who's playing and leading knows how to touch the heart of God for the glory of God to flow into place through that worship, you know what? People aren't going to care that you don't have three and four and five keyboards, you know, a bass, four guitars. and on. They're not going to care about that. Because they're going to realize this is, this is God's place. 
And he is moving. And so what's going to happen is, God's presence is going to be the priority in these folks' lives. And when it comes to us and what we do, we, we want a new facility. But we don't need something that is so elaborate, it becomes the drawing card for people to come in. Now don't get me wrong, you don't want to dump. You want nice. You want it to look good. You want it to be clean. But as far as the things that I have seen, the future trends of church design, I don't think so. The future trend should be what I've outlined here tonight. That should be the future trend. And what's sad is that there are so many people who in churches now, and they mean well, honestly, they do. And they really want to serve God. They really want to you know, get the gospel out there. But they are so caught up and enamored with all of the high-tech audio video. They want to be just like all the big churches. They want to be just like, you know, all the ones that they, they see all this on YouTube. It's like, well, we could do that too. You know what? When, when they were talking about the uh, coming trends in the church design, there was only one thing I read that I thought, yeah, now that is a good idea. And it was having a room set up to be not a big room, not a big room at all, but a room set up to be like uh, what you would call a production studio for the development of teaching material that can be sent throughout the world. And I thought, uh, and that wasn't elaborate, but I thought, okay, that is a good idea to have something like that. But all this other, my goodness, if you could see what I'm talking about, it just, it's just, it's sad. It's really sad. We're not looking for that. We're looking for a building that has a whole lot more classrooms than what we have, a larger fellowship hall, a bigger sanctuary, a platform that's at least three times the size of what we have right now, larger video booth, larger audio booth, on and on it goes. Because we want functional over flash and, and use it for the glory of God. And folks, keep pressing in and see what happens. Because all these other churches, they're closing. The statistics are there. These churches are closing. And some of these churches are mega churches that have closed down. There was a church down in Florida. I was shocked when I heard it was closing. I forget how many thousands it would seat. But, you know, they defaulted on the loan, got repossessed. I mean, and this happens. I, I know of a church. I won't say where. I mean, I personally know of a church defaulted on the loan and the, the principals involved, the people, leadership, I mean, they basically packed up and left town. And there's the bank, you know, they got this building, what are you going to do with it? That, what a testimony. It's horrible. Okay, you know what? We want to follow God and we want Psalm 127 verse 1 to be a standard. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain to build it. All right, you know what? We're going to be patient. We're going to let God do this. But I'm telling you, we're going to keep trusting Him. 
in believing Him. And yeah, I'll keep looking on the internet for, for locations because I might see one and he, he might say, that's it. Now you start praying for that one right now. You start speaking over that facility right now. I will. <laughs> I will. And, I, and again, I'm not concerned about the money because I know. I know it's out there. And God can move on the hearts and minds of people to send it in. Even people who are lost, praise God. Hey, let me tell you something. You know, there are a lot of companies out there, and I read about them on Sunday to you. They're extremely liberal. Well, you know what? If, if some of those companies want to send some of that extremely liberal money into this ministry, we will use it for the glory of Jesus Christ. <laughs> If people out there who win the lottery want to send some of that money in here, we will use it for the glory of Jesus Christ. Praise God. All right. We want to appeal to the masses with the glory of God. 